All right. Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium on Thursday, June 4th, 2020. Um, interesting stuff developing as the coronavirus hysteria has been playing itself out. out um, very interesting stuff. I want to talk about Brexit today and a very important article that I'm going to be linking for you in the video uh, the article is by John Kiger, titled A No-Deal Brexit is Now All But Inevitable. But it's the details in this article. I'm going to read most of it. Uh, four, four paragraphs from a seven-paragraph article because it's very important. But anyway, housekeeping stuff. Uh, there's no vid chat tomorrow. There will be one a week from tomorrow, so don't forget that. And... Uh, again, thank you to all of you sending me articles, all of you sending me videos. Don't waste your time. 99% of them get deleted. Anyway, Brexit. Remember that? <laughs> it's, it's not fallen off the radar, but there have been some interesting developments. And, you know, I go back to what I predicted was going to happen a long time ago. I kind of thought that eventually it would come down to a no-deal hard Brexit. But what I didn't expect was the business response to things. And this article by John Kiger is very important. It's over at Australia Spectator, and I'll be linking the article for you. It's a very good article. Read it through in its entirety. But I want to pull four paragraphs out from it because, to me, these four paragraphs are a huge indicator of why the EU is in deep deep doo-doo, all right? So here we go. The article's titled, A No-Deal Brexit is Now All But Inevitable uh, by John Kiger. And here we go, quote, Coronavirus is obscuring much about the future of the EU and Britain's relationship with it. Not everyone is joining the dots, but business is. And this means the decision for a no-deal Brexit is being taken outside of the official negotiations. Nissan unveiled its global restructuring this week after taking a £5 billion loss in the last financial year. It will close its Barcelona factory with a loss of 2,800 jobs while the Spanish government has said this was the end of Nissan's manufacturing in Europe. And so it is if Europe means the European Union. For Nissan also announced that the future of its United Kingdom plant in Sunderland was secure. Why is this significant? If we cast our minds back to the pre-COVID world, on the 3rd of February, the Financial Times carried a headline, Nissan Drafts Plan to Double Down on the United Kingdom under, pardon me, <coughs> under a Hard Brexit. According to the leak from two individuals involved in the discussions, in the event of a hard Brexit and UK-EU tariffs on car exports, the Japanese car maker would concentrate on boosting its 4% UK market share to 
<laughs> Folks, that says it all right there. In other words, big business is betting on Great Britain, not the European Union. Continuing. Meanwhile, <laughs> I love this, folks. Listen to this. Meanwhile, the ailing French vehicle manufacturer Renault, in which the French state has a 15% shareholding stake, announced the closure of three plants in France and thousands of job losses. Renault, it should be remembered, is in a choppy alliance with Nissan that the Carlos Ghosn affair worsened. Given that Renault was about to receive 5 billion euros or 4.5 billion pounds of state funding as part of France's coronavirus bailout, the French government and President Macron were up in arms. Adding insult to injury, <clears throat> excuse me, it has been suggested that the restructuring could involve shifting production of the Nissan Micra plant from Renault, France, to Nissan, Sunderland. Such an eventuality would have the additional blow of demonstrating in Macron's eyes that Brexit could be a winner. Yet it seems that in the Nissan case, and doubtless many more despite the public protestations, business was embracing a no-deal Brexit. And I'll tell you why, folks. It's because if you were a manufacturer, would you want to put up with a bunch of unelected commissioners in Brussels handing down regulation after regulation? Or would you rather go to a relatively regulation-freer environment in Great Britain? And I'll tell you something else that I suspect these big manufacturers are also thinking. Because if you go back to when the Brexit happened, I was arguing that one of the things you're going to see the United Kingdom do, and do in concert with other British Commonwealth member countries like Canada, Australia, and so on, was revitalize the Commonwealth as a, a cultural economic block. And I suspect that that's part of what's going on here as well. But in any case, let me get back to this article. Uh, I'm reading now the second to the last paragraph here, and listen carefully. The EU's recently agreed 750 billion euro or 675 billion pound sterling bailout for coronavirus and debt mutualization, there it's that key word, the debt mutualization package is a further decision taken outside the official Brexit negotiations that consecrates a no-deal outcome. Even if the EU package, and let me stop there, folks, and remind you what debt mutualization means. It means that the European Union is bailing out the southern European countries on the back of the northern European taxpayers, a.k.a. Germany, folks. And guess how long that's going to work out? <laughs> anyway, to continue, even if the EU package is eventually trimmed back by the frugal northern states, meaning Denmark, the Netherlands, Germany. <laughs> I just love this. The United Kingdom cannot risk acceding to an extension for fear of having to continue paying into the new and dramatically increased European Union 2021 to 2027 budget from the 1st of January. Furthermore, 
the commission, habitually more punitive of the United Kingdom than the council, will have its powers dramatically increased to cover tax raising and oversight of national expenditure. So not only would the United Kingdom be liable for some eye-watering budgetary contributions, it would also be caught, listen carefully, folks, because right here I think we're going to see the reason that, that a hard Brexit is looking increasingly likely. Listen carefully. Not only would the United Kingdom be liable for some eye-watering budgetary contributions, but it would also be caught by new taxes that could inter alia hit the city of London, such as the long-mooted tax on European financial transactions. This makes Michael Barnier's statement this week that the EU is open to a two-year extension Risible. So in other words, now all of a sudden the European Union is saying, oh yeah, we'll grant you a two-year extension. Why? Because they need all those pound sterlings. And uh, I'll tell you what else is going on. The mention of the city, and this is my speculation here, we've got, in my mind, four factors playing in the background to watch carefully. And the first one is the city of London and the mention of taxes and especially taxes on financial transactions inside of the European Union. And that means all transactions. And what it boils down to, folks, is the city of London, which has been a major financial hub, obviously, in that part of the world and in Europe for quite a long time, those taxes would ruin its ability to maintain that status, number one. And number two, the other thing going on here, the other thing playing out behind the scenes, as I think Catherine Austin Fitz very correctly uh, pointed out years and years ago when all of this Brexit talk began to get started, and that was those British tax havens that the Britons have had in place for quite some time the Channel Islands, Jersey, the Caribbean, and so on and so forth. Those remain in British hands, and they are a key component of the financial architecture of the United Kingdom. And it has been the European Union, in my suspicion and in her suspicion, that has been wanting to get their hands on those tax havens because they're a source of money and tax revenue. And ultimately, Britain is going to have to say no. Okay, that's what's really going on here. So you've got the competition between Frankfurt and the city of London, and you've got the British tax havens. This, I think, is ultimately what's going to drive all of this. And those tax havens in their turn are very attractive to businesses if there's a hard Brexit. So in other words, business and finance is now driving the politics. The European Union, as far as I'm concerned, and all of those unelected commissioners and so on and so forth, are going to be told to take a hike, all right? Now, the other thing to notice here is France. France is now the sick man of Europe, and the only reason Macron is in charge, more or less, of the European Union is because Angela Merkel's government is so weak. But the moment that the German government changes and you bring in a stronger government inside of Germany and one that's actually willing to listen 
to the German people and not Mr. Globaloni and his lackeys in the European Commission and the European Council. As, long, as soon as that happens, Germany's back in the driver's seat. So I suspect that France's uh, woes here within the European Union are only beginning. And what does all of this lead up to? I, you know, I've been one of those who, along with other Europe watchers, has, has been predicting that eventually all of this is going to lead to the crack-up of the European Union. This thing was cobbled together too quickly, and it was cobbled together on the back of the Eurozone, the, the European currency itself, was cobbled together on the back of the old exchange rate mechanism. What I suspect is going to happen simply by, by dint of financial pressure and by dint of the fact that the populations in those northern European countries that are fiscally sound, Germany, the Netherlands, Denmark, Austria, you know, so on and so forth, that those countries are going to balk at the idea of debt mutualization. In other words, shouldering the bailout of the southern European countries on the shoulders of the northern European countries. I suspect that when the breakup comes, you're going to see a return to something like the old exchange rate mechanism where you had the national currencies of Denmark, the Netherlands, Austria, pegged to the exchange rate of the German D-mark. Eventually, I think this is where it's headed because these European commissioners have not got a clue on, on how to run an economy, and the way that they're treating Great Britain right now simply proves it with this idea of a two-year extension for the Brexit vote when the businesses, you know, international business is doubling down on the United Kingdom and not on the European Union. So take a lesson, Europe. I mean, learn it real fast or you're in deep doo-doo. And yeah, someone just mentioned in the chat room, the unchecked immigration is another issue hiding behind all of this as well. So it's going to be an interesting few months to watch. I don't expect that we're going to see much major movement this year until after the American elections, if we have them. So, uh, but there is going to be financial pressure now on Great Britain to do a hard Brexit. And frankly, I don't think, uh, I don't think in the long run it's going to hurt the United Kingdom one little bit to do so. It's going to hurt the EU much more than it's hurt the United Kingdom. And that's what the EU deservedly gets after the way their commissioners have been handling and, and treating the United Kingdom. So anyway, it's going to be interesting to watch in the next few months. Don't forget tomorrow there's no vid chat. There will be a vid chat a week from tomorrow. Um, check the schedule. The new schedule for the month of June is already out there. Anyway, short, sweet, and pretty. That's it for today, folks. Watch this one. It's going to be an interesting, very, very interesting story to see how this is going to develop. Anyway, we'll see you on the flip side, everybody. Bye-bye, and God bless.